Amen? If you have your Bible, I would like to open the Word together, deliver to you what the Lord has put on my spirit. We need the Lord to talk to us, don't we? Have you ever prayed, Lord, talk to me? Anybody ever, anybody ever said that? Anybody ever prayed that way? Raise your hand if you've ever prayed that. Lord, I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, me too. I was praying one time years ago in the prayer room in Puyallup. I was praying. I said, Lord, speak to me. I need to hear from you. I, I need to hear from you. I need to hear your voice. I, I'm hungry to hear from you. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. I was there laying on my face. and You know what the Lord said to me in that moment? He said, Joel, I'm talking. You're not listening. Ugh. I'm asking him to talk to me. He said, I'm talking to you. You're not listening to me. Well, that tells me one of two things. It told me one of two things then. I was not discerning his voice. Well, I guess one of three things. Could be one, I wasn't discerning his voice. Or number two, there was so much other noise that his voice wasn't clear. So I needed to get some noise out of my life. Or number three, I was hearing, but I didn't want to acknowledge that it was God talking to me because I really wanted to just keep doing what I was doing rather than responding to what he was asking me to do. It's usually only one of those three things. Either I don't know his voice or there's so much other noise that I'm not getting it clearly or I do know God's talking to me, but I don't like what he's saying, so I'm hoping he'll say something I like and then I'll say that's God talking to me. Usually one of those three things. And so that day I said, Lord, forgive me. Help me to hear what you're saying. If you need to hear from God, I can't tell you a better place to go to hear from God than his word. I'll have people at times along the journey say to me, man, I just need the Lord to speak to me. I, I just I want to hear from God. And I'll ask the question, how much time are you spending in his word in prayer? Well, man, I, I read a little bit, but I don't really understand. Well, you know what? That's the beauty of the Bible is that you and I, while we're reading it, can talk to the author at the same time. And say, help me to understand. Open my understanding, Lord. I want him to talk to me. Book of Colossians chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 1. If. Everybody say if. Say it again. If. The rest of this hangs on that word. If. If. If you then be risen with Christ. Now, what does that mean, be risen with Christ? Well, you can read the first couple of chapters and get a good understanding. Because he talks about being buried with Christ. And then being risen with Christ. Those are in the first couple chapters. You can go home and read the 
these four chapters of Colossians. It's a short and easy letter to read to the church at Colossae. So to be buried with Christ, we know from the scripture, is to be buried. We are buried with him in baptism. That's what the Bible says in Colossians and in Romans. We are buried with him in baptism that we also should walk with him in newness of life. So baptism in the name of Jesus is to be buried with him. To be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the indwelling of his spirit, is to be risen with him. So this is who Paul's talking to when he writes this letter. If then you be risen with Christ. So hear me this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. If you have been buried with him in baptism, and if you have been filled with his spirit, therefore risen with him, this word is to you and I. And I can receive it and say, Lord, let it work in me, or I can resist it and turn from it. But this is the admonition of the Lord to those that are risen in Christ, with Christ. If you then be risen with Christ, here's what you're going to seek. Those things which are above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, Bishop touched on this idea earlier in the service. This, I'm going to give you this big, long word here, okay? And I'll probably say it wrong because I'm not very good with big, long words. You can go look it up, except you might not be able to because I may get it wrong here. Anthropomorphism. Is that a good long word for you? Is that right, Sister Priscilla? She got, I thought she was going to rescue me there. Yeah. Anthropomorphism. What is that? That's when you assign human attributes to something that doesn't have human attributes. So that you and I as humans can better understand it. Does that make sense? So the scripture assigns human attributes to God... But we know from the scripture, God is a spirit. Yes? God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. God is a spirit. So does God have a right hand? You have a right hand? Does God have a right hand like you and I have a right hand? No. This is anthropomorphism. It's so we understand. All right. Let me give you another example. The psalmist said, and I think Bishop referenced this this morning, right? The psalmist said that the Lord will protect you under his feather and under his wings. Yes? So does God have feathers and wings now? Does God have a right hand and feathers and wings? Jesus said in his earthly ministry, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you to me as a hen, her chicks. Okay, so now Jesus is a hen? No, no, no. What is it? This is assigning attributes from living creatures to God so that we get an understanding of God. Is this making sense now? We, I don't think there's a one of us here that says, oh, yeah, I think God has feathers. And I think God has wings. Okay. When the scripture says, and you can dig this, we're not going to go into the depth of this today, 
But when it says Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, the right hand speaks of authority. The place of authority. This is why Jesus Christ could say, all power in heaven and in earth and under the earth is given to him. How does Jesus Christ have all power? Because he's in the place of authority. The right hand of God. The authority of God. Okay? It could literally say where Christ sits on the authority of God. Okay? It's not what I want to talk about, but I didn't want you to get hung up on that. It's important that we understand what Scripture is saying. So if you're risen with Christ, you're going to seek those things which are above. And, verse 2, you're going to set your affection on things above. Just in case there's any question about what that means. Not on things on the earth. For you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. There is a beckoning of the Spirit of God upon the church of the Lord today. And in North America, especially in this time of holidays, man, is there appeal to begin setting our affections on things on the earth. Marketing, Black Friday, like I said, we all love a deal, right? I think tomorrow is Cyber Monday. What? And there's a constant pull of the world to get us in some way, shape, or form, or fashion to set our affections on things of the earth. Where you set your affections is what you love, what you put your interest into, what you pour your energy into. What you're, that's where your affection is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Paul is addressing this, and he's saying, hey, If you be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your affection on the things that are above. Don't set it on the things on the earth. Why? Because the things on the earth are temporary. They're temporal. Do we have to work? Absolutely. Do we need a roof over our head? I believe we do. It's nice to have, right? Do we need food on the table? I believe we do need to eat. The the Lord knows what you have need of before you even ask, the Scripture says. So we've got to get our affections on the right things. The adversary and our flesh, which is our adversary, by the way, would get us to focus our attention on things on the earth. Set our affections on things on the earth. Oh, I got to get a bigger bank account. I got to get a nicer car. I got nothing wrong with a bigger bank account if that's what the Lord chooses in your life. And if he chooses it in your life, I promise you it's for his purpose, not for your or my greed. He has a purpose in it. So I have to seek his purpose. And so if I'm setting my, if I'm seeking things above and setting my affection on things above, then when things come my way that are earthly, I have an understanding because of where my affection is. There must be some reason this earthly thing has come into my hand. It must be somehow serving things that are of God if that's where I'm seeking and setting my affection. James said it this way. He said, you have not because you ask not. 
But then he said, but you ask amiss so that you can consume it on your own lusts. What was he saying? Oh, you have an affection and you're asking God for these things, but it's not seeking above things. You're asking for these things so you can consume it on your own lust. Don't raise your hand. I hope that I probably even shouldn't say this. I, I've heard people say, no one here that I know of or I remember, I've heard people say that they prayed that God would give them winning lottery numbers. Right? I imagine somebody praying that way. This is just me imagining. Okay? I can't tell you I've never played the lottery. Now, don't run out on me here and say, oh, my goodness, Elder Gambles. I don't. But I, I, I'll tell you why I've played the lottery several times. We had, <laughs> I really got to explain that now, don't I? When I worked for Key Bank years ago, we had one of, our, one of my business clients owned a, a convenience store and gas station. And anytime the lottery got to a certain amount, he would print off all these free, t- well, he would buy all these tickets and he'd bring them in and give everybody in the bank two or three tickets. And so I, I never won anything on any of those tickets he gave me. But I did play, right? I checked the numbers when he gave them to me for free. I never went and bought any. Um, I didn't think the Lord would be pleased with me be taking money that he gave me and going to gamble with it. So, anyway. But I imagine people praying about the lottery numbers. Lord, if you'll help me win the lottery, I'll do this for you. We may not pray about the lottery, but we pray about different things. And Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll... Man, Lord, if, if you gave me a million dollars, you know what I could do for the kingdom? I don't know why I'm talking about this right now. I'm talking about seeking things that are above, not things on the earth. You know what I've learned? If I've got a heart to do something for the kingdom, if the Lord gives me $100 or he gives me a million dollars, I'll do it. Because it's an issue of my heart, not of how much. It's an issue of my heart. And the scripture says, if you're faithful in little things, he'll make you ruler over many. So the Lord has a way of going, let me see how you do with little things first. What's your track record in little things? Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? Because you're dead. You're like, now watch verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. What a promise. Verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, what does that mean? Mortify your members which are on the earth. When's the last time, excuse me, when's the last time you mortified some members? You thinking about that? Think about that. When's the last time you mortified members? I hope today. If not today, I hope at least yesterday. This is a daily process, the mortifying of your members. Mortify means to kill, to deny till death. Mortify, to kill it. Mortify your members which are on the earth. And he begins to list some things here. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate or misplaced affection, evil concupiscence or evil desires, covetousness. 
which or greed, which is idolatry. You ever know that? Greed is idolatry. For which things sake, these things, if you don't mortify them, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also, watch, put off all these. Everybody say put off. You put off all these. This is if you've been risen with Christ. Remember who he's talking to? You put off all these. What do you put off? You put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Skip down to verse 12. Put on. See, once you put off, there's some putting on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. You put on bowels of mercies. You put on kindness. You put on humbleness of mind. You put on meekness. You put on long-suffering. You forbear one another. You forgive one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, that's how you forgive. This is what happens. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, and the Father by Him. If you and I could live Colossians 3, 1 through 17, the world would be forever changed through our lives. If we could live those 17 verses by the grace of God operating in our lives, the world would be forever changed through our lives. See, we want to complicate it, but the Word of God is clear. Brother Jerry, Brother, do we have the Amplified? Could you put the Amplified starting back at, um, let's just start back at verse number, um, let's just start at verse 1. I have all kinds of thoughts here, but I feel like I just want us to see the Word. I want the Word of God to somehow get into our spirit. Okay, not just our knowledge. I want the word of God. If we can, by his grace, lay hold on this truth. If we can lay hold on. Brother Ethan touched on it when he was leading us in worship. When he referenced, if I could just, what would happen if I just yielded wholly? If I yielded to the things of God. If I, I stopped seeking the things on the earth and started seeking things that are above. If I set my affection there. Used to be a saying when I was younger, they would say about people that always seem to be focused on the Lord. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that statement? So heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. That was sort of like a bad thing, when the way they would say it. Or they're so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. 
I decided that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be so spiritually minded that I'm no earthly good. You know, the scripture says of Enoch that he walked with God. Is that what it says? He walked with God and he was not because God took him. And you can read later about Enoch. It says he had this testimony. This was his testimony. What did he do in his walk that caused God to just take him? Well, he had this testimony. The scripture says he pleased God. He pleased God. I don't want to please men. I want to please God. Colossians, I want you to see. Let the word, would you pray with me? Would you pray that the word of God would speak to your heart? I know we're just reading through it. But would you pray with me right now that the word of God would, the way he wants it to, that it would speak to your life? This living word that somehow where you are and where I am, he knows our frame, that it would speak into my being, into my spirit the way he wants it to. God, I want you to use me and your word shows me and teaches me. I pray, Holy One, right upon the tables of our heart today by your living word. I pray, living word of God, let our ears hear, let our hearts receive, let us discern the voice of your spirit through this word you've given us, I pray. Ears to hear, a heart to receive, a willingness to obey, a readiness to respond. In Jesus' name, watch. If then, if then, you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing His resurrection from the dead. If that's you, if that's me, then we have instruction from the Word of God. If that's you and me, then we are to aim at... And seek the rich eternal treasures that are above. I have a question that I have to answer and you have to answer. Am I aiming at and seeking rich eternal treasures above? Think about that. And if you're saying, yes, I am. What are you aiming at? What are you, how would you define that? What are you aiming at? What are you seeking at? This is the instruction of the word of the Lord. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. And watch, this is set your affections in the King James, but I like the Amplified. Set your minds and keep them set. Anybody have trouble keeping your mind set on something? Feel like you get thoughts that can pull you sometimes? Just me and Brother Jerry. Okay, a few more of us. Boy, we live in a busy age, don't we? This is, this is why I'm, I'm less and less almost zero on social media anymore. It doesn't help you keep your mind set on things above. And you understand the battleground is our mind. Social media generally does not help you keep your mind set on what is above. The higher things. We need to learn to set our mind, set our mind on things above. Paul, the writer of Philippians, said whatsoever things are 
true and honest, virtuous, of a good report. And a few other things. He said, think on these things. Think on these things. That's a setting of our mind on some things. This is those that have been risen with Christ. What you think about reveals where your mind is set. Now, don't beat yourself up. Just seek the grace of God. You ever find yourself thinking about, how am I going to pay the rent this month? I've been in those places. Are they going to take this car that I foolishly went into debt on? I've been in those places. I remember the payment was $417.08 a month. That's been plenty of years ago. I remember that consuming my thought and see earthly things. When I pursue earthly things, then my mind gets fixed on earthly things. But if I pursue heavenly things and my mind is fixed on heavenly things, when the earthly thing comes, I understand where power and authority comes from that deals in the earthly realm. But the adversary wants to use... The adversary, see, here's, here's the mistake we make. We focus on going, hold on, is this a sin? The issue isn't, is it sin or not? That's the wrong question to ask. The question to ask is, is this drawing me closer to God or is it hindering my ability to get closer to God? That's the question to ask. Is it deepening my relationship with God or is it stalemating my relationship with God? Is it causing me to know Him more or is it causing me to just exist? That's the question we should ask, right? This is why the writer of Scripture said, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. Weights aren't necessarily sins. They're just things that slow me down in running my race to know Him and to pursue Him and to set my affections on Him. And so I have to determine, you know what? Nothing wrong with this per se, except it's a weight. It's a hindrance to my relationship. You know, when my wife and I got married... A little over 30 years ago now, when we got married, Bishop alluded to it the first service, I like to play basketball. I got to play basketball for a couple hours with some guys yesterday. Or at least I got to get schooled by some guys yesterday for a couple of hours. And so we were playing basketball for a little. I enjoy that still at 52 years old. I enjoy getting out and running and playing. And so, but I used to do that a whole lot more before I got married. I would, if I had free time, I would just, I was very content. Take my ball, go to the court, be by myself, and shoot and play and shoot and play. Back then, you could, you could put quarters in the thing at the tennis court, and it would turn the lights on so you could play outside. Some of y'all don't even know what that's about. but So you had lights at night. You could pay. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad somebody else knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you put those quarters in, you'd turn it on, you'd have lights on the court at night. God, forgive me. We learned how to trick that thing so we could always override it. We didn't have the quarters. We were too broke to pay for light. So... I would do that. But you know what? When I got married, I still played basketball, but not quite as much. After a little bit. At first, I probably still played as much. But I started realizing, you know, I enjoy being with my wife more than I enjoy being with those boys at that basketball court. She's sweeter than they are. What happened? Was basketball wrong? 
Was I hanging out with bad people? No. What happened? I decided, you know what? I got a relationship that I'm a little more interested in this relationship than that one. That's what he's talking about when we talk about laying aside weight. Okay? And so this setting of our minds and keeping them set on what's above, don't ask the question, well, is this wrong? No. Ask the question, how is it aiding and developing my relationship with God? Does that make sense? All right, let's keep going. Verse 3. I hope it's okay this morning. It's just a Bible study this morning. The Word talks to us. For as far as the world is concerned, I like this, you're dead. How do you like that? As far, what does that mean? As far as the things of this world that you used to be entertained by, involve yourself in, give yourself to, that fed the lusts and the desires of your flesh, as far as all those things, as far as that's concerned, you're dead. That does not exist anymore when you've been risen with Christ. Your new, real life. Where is it? It's hidden with Christ in God. Notice what Jesus said. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. When I was a kid, we used to say this to people. We thought we were being funny. We were being rude. We, I, I was going to tap Zenaida on the shoulder. I, I'll pick on Raphael. He'll forgive me later. I, I'm sure Zenaida would too, but I, I don't want to. Anyway, we used to say to him, man, you need to get a life. Anybody ever heard that? You need to get a life. You know, when you are risen with Christ, you have life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. You know what we were saying when we say you need to get life? We say you need to have a purpose for living. You need to find, you need to do something with yourself. You, you know, when you and I die to ourselves and we are made alive and new and risen with Christ, we have life. We have a reason for living. We have a purpose for living. We have a design and a destiny for living. And so we have to recognize what the writer Paul is saying to the church. If then you are risen with Christ, set your mind, set your affection, seek those things because there's new life in you and it's real and your life is hidden with Christ in God now. It's no longer made up of the things of the world. It's no longer affirmed by the things of the world. Let me say that again. Your life is not affirmed by the things of the world. Your life is not affirmed by your success or lack thereof on a job. Your life is not affirmed by your bank account or your cars or material things. Mine and your life is affirmed by the one who alone gives life. Mine and your life is affirmed. We need to learn Christ is the voice of affirmation in our life. He's the voice of affirmation. Do I please him. I'm not saying we should slack on our job and be responsible. God forbid our life is a testimony of him. We should do all things, whether in word or deed, as unto the Lord. But my affirmation no longer comes from this world system. My affirmation comes from him who gives me life. Do I please him? This is the measure. Not do I please you. You understand, I don't intentionally try to displease people. That's not what I'm talking about. But do I please him? I'm going to please him if I walk in his word. 
Don't twist that this morning. Some people say, well, it don't matter what you think. God loves me. Well, it's true. It doesn't matter. what, you, But he loves me when I keep his commandments. That's what his word says. I want to walk in his word. We got to hurry. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then also will we appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Keep going. Okay, so here. This is that verse, mortify your members. I want you to see what he says. So kill, deaden, deprive of power. Deprive of power. You know how you deprive something of power? I heard somebody say something. How you deprive something of power? I just deprived it of power. What did I do? I cut off what was feeding it. When I flipped that switch, it broke the connection and the flow of electricity that was feeding feeding those lights. You guys understand that in principle? To deprive of power, you got to break the connection. you got to pull the plug, whatever term you want to use. This is what it means to mortify our members. Okay? You got to deaden it. You got to deprive it of power. What are we depriving of power? The evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. Paul is not denying that those things are a part of our human nature. We're all human. He's not denying that they're there, but he's saying, hey... If you're risen with Christ, you got to deaden these things. You got to deprive these things of power. What does that mean? Well, when I became risen with Christ, I stopped looking at what I might have looked at before because I might have been feeding some of those earthly animal impulses. I stopped listening to what I listened to before. I may have stopped going where I went before. I may have stopped hanging around some people I hung around with before. Why? Because I realized I have to kill some things. i got to deprive some things of power because I'm no longer of this world. I have been risen with Christ to walk in newness of life. Somebody here today, you want victory in your life? you got to learn these principles of Colossians chapter 3. you got to deprive some things of power in your life. You know what we do? We come and do, here, here, I'm not trying to be unkind. We're just being real by the word this morning, okay? We want to come and pray, oh God, take this thing away from me. Paul didn't say, so then pray that God takes that evil desire away from you. Did he? No, he said, you kill it. I'm not. Is that what he said? You kill it. You deprive it of power. You mortify the member. There's got to be something in this hour for the spirit of God to move and live and work through us. We've got to recognize the power and the instruction of the word of God that says, I'm going to mortify some things that are in my members. Here's what we try to do in our human nature. Maybe I can hide that thing and just cover it up and 
you know, I'll just manipulate, manage, and deal with it. And, you know, maybe I can keep it under wraps and just keep it under control. No! Don't try to control it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to manage it. Don't try to cover it up. Kill it. Deprive it of power. Whatever is feeding it, identify it and cut it off. This is what Paul's saying. You want victory in your life? Kill the evil desire lurking in your members. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetite. What's sensual appetite? Anytime you see the word sensual, sensual is feeling, your senses. Touch, feel, taste, hear, smell. Senses. Music, hearing, my senses. Smelling. I'm not telling you ladies, you got to go get rid of all your candles. But, but these are senses we got to kill. Deaden, deprive of power these earthly appetites, sensual appetites. This is why we fast. This is one of the reasons we fast. It's a, it's a deadening, a depriving of power of sensual appetites. I told you, I love eggnog milkshakes. I have the help of the holidays that they only come for a certain time. If they were year-round, I bet I'd be the size of a blimp. They are, my wife smirked. They would, but I've only had one so far this year. It's just because McDonald's doesn't have them this year for whatever reason, so I can't just grab one when I go through there. But, and they're really expensive at majors, but, man, they're really good. Anyway, I'm in the flesh, so let me get back. All right, so, but... We, we have to, do, you know, and Majors is right around the corner from my house. I could go get one every day. Like, for those of you that start knocking me, if you go to Starbucks every day or you get your cup of coffee, I can get a Majors eggnog milkshake for the cost of a Starbucks cup of coffee. I could get one every day. Anything wrong with an eggnog milkshake? Goodness, no. Not a thing. There's a whole lot right with an eggnog milkshake. Amen. And if you haven't tried it yet, you just don't know. But hear me, that is a sensual appetite. Does that make sense? Not wrong in and of itself. It's a sensual appetite. I like the way it tastes. And the Lord gave you and I these senses. He gave them to us. But I have to learn to deaden them and deprive them of power. So if I decide, hey, you know what? I can spend five bucks every day. It won't break me. I'm going to go get me an eggnog milkshake every day. What am I doing? I'm feeding my flesh. I'm not depriving myself of a sensual appetite. Now, you may be like, whatever. I don't like eggnog milkshakes, so I don't have your battle. And you're right. And you're right. But you know how many? Oh, how many of you here? Oh, <laughs> how many of you like Red Bulls? We got Red Bull people, Monster, you know all that stuff. Red Bull, Monster, all those things. Bang, I think is one of them that's out there. Is that why? Is that one? Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, now, 
I, I think this is important. I know I'm being a little lighthearted, but I think we need to hear what the word is trying to teach us here. You may not have eggnog milkshakes. Right? They don't appeal to you like they appeal to me. You know what? I have never had a Red Bull or a Monster or a Bang in my life. I think I took a sip of one because my kids bought one. I'm like, why would somebody pay so much and drink that? And I know some of you are looking like I just spoke words of hypocrisy or something. <laughs> That's just your sensual appetite. That's your sensual appetite. I'm not standing here telling you Red Bull or Bang or whatever is wrong. You, you understand? But there's got to be a recognition. Hold on a minute. I have got to keep this carnal man under subjection. That's what Paul's talking about. If I'm risen with Christ, I have to do some things to mortify, to kill, to deaden, to deprive of power, the evil desire. And one of those things, you think, well, I'm just grabbing eggnog milkshakes or Red Bulls all the time. Well, that's a small area. It's just one. Of, it's an area where if I'm not learning to deny my flesh and things, I'll just seek to give my flesh whatever it wants anytime. And then my flesh becomes stronger and my spirit becomes weak. Okay. So sensual appetites, anything associated with feeling, unholy desires, all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. Do you know greed is idolatry? I've had to battle with that. Is that too honest? I've had to battle with that. Um, let me explain that. Maybe this will help somebody. I am content with everything God has brought. I can say like the Apostle Paul, but not the same as the Apostle Paul. I know what it is to have nothing, and I know what it is to have some things. I know what it is to not know where the next meal is coming from, and I know what it is to have peace for the meal I'll have the rest of the week. I know what it is to fast because there was not enough food, but I wanted to make sure my wife and kids ate, and so I chose not to eat. I've been there. I know those things. I understand those things. And so greed is not necessarily um, I don't have enough, so I need more. I heard it once said that greed is, you know, they, they say seven dev, deadly sins. Greed is the only one that you don't know when you've crossed into it. All the other ones are very clear. You know exactly what you've done, right? If you, but greed, you don't know when you've crossed into it. And I had to learn. I See, greed for me was different. I don't necessarily try to hold on to everything. I just love the art of the deal. Does that make sense? I just love the making the deal. I have fun making money. I don't have to keep it all. I just have fun making it. I enjoy the deal, the, the, the art of the deal. I don't know if anybody can relate to what I'm saying right now, right? I, I can have fun making $5,000 and then giving it all away. For me, the fun is making it. Like there's something about that art of the deal 
and always wanting to find a new way, another way, work in another angle, find, right? And the Lord began dealing with me about that. Like, what's your source? Who's your source? Am I your source? What? Man, I read this scripture. It's idolatry. Greed and covetousness are idolatry. We got to kill these things. We got to deaden these things. Why? The deifying of self and other created things instead of God. I'm hurrying to finish here. Let's go. Verse 6. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming on the sons of disobedience, those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will. Verse 7. Among whom you also once walked when you were living in and addicted to such practices. This is why verse 1 matters so much. If then you are risen with Christ. Verse 8. But now put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger, rage, bad feeling toward others, curses and slander, and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. Yes, God cares how you and I talk. Do not lie to one another. For you have stripped off the old, unregenerate self. What does that mean, don't lie to one another? Here's what Paul is saying here when he's writing. He's, when he's listing all these things about the deadening of ourselves, the deriving of power, he's saying, hey, don't, don't be hypocritical with each other. That's what he means by don't lie to you. Don't be hypocritical. Be honest. Help one another. Bear up one another. When you see a brother overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Galatians 1 and, or 6, verse 1 and 2. We understand that. But he's saying don't lie to one another. He's talking about this, those of us that are risen with Christ. We've got to be honest with one another about these things. We've got to seek to bear up one another. Verse 10. And close yourself with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process, ever in the process, of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image, the likeness of him who created it. Verse 11. In this new creation, watch. This is why we don't lie to one another. In this new creation, this new creation that we are when we're new in Christ, resurrected with him. In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. See, there's no more comparison anymore. All distinctions vanish. There's no room for, and there can be neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarian, Scythians, nor slave or free. He lists all this stuff. Skip down. Stand with me, please. Skip down to verse number 12. Now remember, Paul said you and I have to derive of power. We have to kill, right? We have responsibility, you and I. Once we're risen with Christ, it's our responsibility. Clothe yourselves. Whose responsibility is that? That's also my responsibility. This is what it is to walk as a child of God, to grow in God. Clothe yourselves 
as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself. By putting on behavior, this is how you're going to clothe yourself. This is how you're going to clothe yourself. Does what you wear matter? Of course it does. (laughs) Some of you said no. I mean, you said out loud, but I heard you. Of course it matters. If I was in here today in my hoodie and I had jeans halfway down my backside and was standing up and... Some, some of you be like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. Now, that's in the natural. What you wear matters. That's in the natural. You say, well, God looks on the heart. That's true, but the Bible is very clear. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. I'm not trying to convince God of anything. I'm trying to reach a lost world, and a lost world looks on the outward appearance. It matters. Okay, so what? i got to clothe myself. That's putting on some stuff. What am I clothing myself with? I'm clothing myself with an understanding. So, so first it starts with me understanding this. I'm going to put on things because I am a chosen representative of God. I'm no longer representing myself. I'm representing God. And so the fact that God has chosen me and you to represent Him is going to affect what I put on because I'm no longer representing my, When I walk out of my closet of prayer when I walk out in the company of anybody I'm now representative of him and so I'm putting on and it starts with putting on behavior put on behavior and this is what my behavior will be marked by a tender-hearted pity and mercy that's not feeling sorry for people that's a genuine care for people's condition pity Put on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourself. That doesn't mean thinking little of yourselves. It means your thoughts are not about yourselves but on others. Gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering. And it has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Next verse. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. Something you're going to put on. Gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference... There's going to be differences. Jay and I aren't always going to see eye to eye. Martin and I aren't always going to see eye to eye. There's going to be differences. If one has a difference, a grievance or a complaint against another, what are we going to do? I'm going to carry it for a while until they see I'm right. Well, I'm going to keep badgering them until they come to my point of view. No, no, no. I'm going to readily pardon each other. Readily. I'm not talking about justifying sin. You understand? This isn't talking about justifying sin. This is a grievance or complaint, a difference between brethren and sisters. I'm not going to let anything get in that would hinder. Why? Because I'm putting on behavior that says, you know what? You may disagree, but I'm pardoning. We're pardoning one another. Even as the Lord, this is how I'm going to do it. The same way the Lord has freely forgiven me, so must you also forgive. Last verse, 14. And above all these, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely. 
This is unity. This is unity. This is unity. Would you pray with me right now? I know we've just walked through some verses this morning. God, I want to live according to your word. I can't do this in my own effort and ability, but I know that you give grace. You give grace, which is your enabling power to do what I cannot do myself. I pray let this word that is true, your word, let it speak to my heart. Father, I want to seek the things that are above. I want to set my affection on things that are above, whereby my life becomes that which I read in the Word, whereby I take action by the leading of Your Spirit according to this, Your Holy Word. And the world is marked and changed. My life becomes a living testimony. Use us, Lord, according to this, Your Word. Direct us, Lord, according to this, your word. Anoint our minds today that there be understanding given, a recognition of steps even, where I can take and walk in relationship with you deeper than ever before. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, show me. Show me where I can mortify deeds of the flesh. Show me, Father, how to derive them of power whereby my affections are fixed on you. My mind is set on you. My thoughts are ever on you and you are glorified and your will is done. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lead us as a people for your glory and your purpose. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I encourage you, read the four chapters of Colossians. I know we've read 17 verses twice today. But would you read those four chapters and let God talk to you? Read it in the King James. Read it in the New King James. Read it in the Amplified. Read it in different translations that helps you see and lets the Word of God speak to you and I. And then purpose, God, by your grace, I'm going to respond to your word. This is applicable word. This is applicable word.